Well, hello and welcome to the ISBA BursaCast. This is a Friday Focus episode, and today we're hearing from Simon Holden, who is the managing director and founder of Cyber. Simon's going to talk us today through some of the most important things for independent school leaders to be thinking about regarding cybersecurity, and stick around to the end to hear his thoughts on what the budget should be for your cybersecurity provision. Simon, thank you so much for being here. Uh, thank you for having me on. No, it's superb. Uh, we've been kind of eyeing things up with cyber a lot recently, and even today there was a bit of news that the BBC uh, and BA and a few others got hacked by a, a ru- possibly Russian group. So cyber is definitely on everyone's minds. Uh, so hopefully we can dive into that today and all come out a little bit wiser. Indeed. So we'll kick off first things first with what is the current landscape for kind of school internet security? What are we kind of looking at at the moment? Uh, it's a really good question, Leo. And I mean, I think I mean, you touched on it there about uh, globally, you know, the BBC and companies being attacked and that that's indicative of all sectors at the moment. I think really in the in the uh, school sector, what we're seeing is, I mean, as as their schools continue to embrace technology, uh, what we're seeing is there's more tools and platforms in, incorporated in their daily operations, which in turn uh, makes them more vulnerable to attacks. I mean, it increases opportunities uh, for people to get at them. So what we've sort of seen there is an increase in cybersecurity threats to the education sector, and there's various reports that are out there. But uh, they put the, the education sector third most targeted industry uh, for cyber attacks behind only the healthcare and the public sector. So it really brings it home to roost, you know what I mean, how, how vulnerable we are. The National Cyber Security Centre has also recently uh, reported an increase in ransomware attacks against the education sector. Uh, and I think, I mean, it was what two weeks ago, there was a school in Dorchester in the state sector who had a ransomware attack, which took it down for several days and uh, also in- included a data breach uh, within that. So, I mean, it, it's really it's really critical at the moment that we, we are proactive in, in what we do within the sector. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And that, that topic of, of proactivity is one that comes up time and time again in, in some of the bursar's role. But, I mean, are there any... I'm going to say the word simple, but nothing's really that simple, but simple steps that schools should be taking to secure, you know, staff, user accounts and prevent these security breaches from happening. Yeah, no, I, mean, I, I think there's there's several. I mean, if you, you touch there about a sort of managing accounts and, and what I've sort of found working with schools and, and medium businesses, small medium businesses in the past is, I mean, the management of user accounts and permissions is key and it's something that's not necessarily well managed uh, in a lot of areas and uh, what do I mean by that well I mean it, it, it's a critical aspect of maintaining cybersecurity in schools and remembering in the schools there's a high turnover of pupils staff and potentially parent accounts and ensuring that each user has the the appropriate level of access to the resources that they need to perform their function is really challenging uh, for the IT teams However, I mean, I would say it's it's essential to prevent unauthorized network access, which accounts for nearly forty percent of all data breaches, and also to prevent the ransomware attacks, which account for twenty seven percent of data breaches. So you can see that it's I mean it's it's, it's quite a high level or a high number of uh, attacks there, and really it can be quite simply done by managing staff accounts and parent and pupil accounts. And what I would say with the staff accounts is probably regularly review access permissions. Uh, that helps you enforce policies and prevents breaches. 
And it's also crucial to have strong password policies uh, and to mandate regular password changes, especially for the staff user accounts. I read an interesting article recently, I mean, a password of eight letters, uh, all lowercase, has 209 billion uh, permutations, but that can be cracked instantly. So by adding one capital letter to that, it turns into a 22-minute timeline. And if you have a 12-character password with one uppercase, one number, uh, and a a symbol, then that turns it into a 34-year timeline to crack it. So you can see that I mean it's it's really essential to wow. have that, and we've all we've all grown up and seen those people that have got their password on a post-it note below their desk, and it's probably password one two three, and uh, I mean all, all they are doing is I mean that creates more of a vulnerability to the system. Uh, the NCSC, I mean they they recommend three random words approach to. Uh, setting passwords, and that's something that I mean, bursars could have a look in the NCSC website and get information there. And I think that's probably the, the most sensible approach at the moment. Sure, that's quite a interesting statistic. Gosh, yeah. thirty-four years, yeah. blimey! So that's kind of securing things from the staff side. What are measures that can be implemented to enforce uh, appropriate usage policies, to use the appropriate term, uh, and protect pupils from accessing content that is inappropriate? So I think most schools are pretty well set for this at the moment. I mean, in in terms of implementing content filtering and monitoring software, and I would say that I mean deploying the content filtering and monitoring helps enforce appropriate usage and uh, protects pupils and staff from uh, accessing inappropriate content. The software can also detect and prevent the download or installation of malicious software or apps and other u- un- unusual user activity. And this is key, really, when it comes to the bigger cybersecurity picture in understanding, I mean, if you have been attacked or if there is something going on within your system. In terms of those filtering systems, you mean, or software, uh, there are some industry standards out there, and I'm sure bursars will be familiar with them, but you've got Smoothwall, Barracuda, Lightspeed are examples of uh, some hardware and software which you can use. Uh, with your firewall to help protect uh, access to places you don't want pupils to get access to. Yeah, so that, that topic of kind of downloading software that, that shouldn't be there, that follows on to this thing of shadow IT, which is a, a term I only learned about recently. But what is it and, and why is it a concern for schools in terms of cybersecurity? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really frightening, actually. I mean, across all industries and in the schools, I mean, and I, I was a bursar for several years. And it was one of the things that really uh, vexed me was the amount of applications that were out there. And really, when we talk about sort of shadow IT or stealth IT, it talks about the applications which aren't sanctioned or approved by the school. So key staff members change over throughout the years that's that's indicative of a school but nobody really tracks what's going on and then you find out you have unauthorized apps which are out there on the cloud communication platforms thematic packages so for instance like languages music uh, departments will have their own purchasing uh, and social media apps which are being used by both staff and pupils and all this poses a significant security risk, uh, including data breaches, with, due to the lack of control over data access and the storage of that data. And uh, that's something that really, I mean, I would suggest people need to look at when they are implementing a new system or an application, is understanding if it is handling data, 
where is that data being processed? Is it inside the UK, outside the UK? And more importantly, where is it being stored? Again, is it in the UK, outside the UK? Is it stored in a hard uh, backup or is it stored in the cloud? I mean, because these are all key key factors in your, your attack uh, vectors. Mm, okay. And so say that the kind of the awful does happen. Uh, and I, I dare say that it's probably a when rather than an if for the majority of schools that they get you know, attacked in some sort of way. What should an incident response plan include? And why is this so crucial for dealing with cybersecurity incidents? Yeah, and again, another good question. And I mean, I think you, you hit it in the head when you said it's it's not if, it's when. And I think that's the approach that's been taken in many sectors now. I mean, so it's about building your cyber resilience rather than, I mean, being able to protect against everything because that, that just won't happen. So an incident response plan is a sort of a must-have for dealing with cybersecurity uh, incidents. This plan should outline really the steps to be taken in the event of a breach or an attack and should include who to contact, how to contain the incident, and how to communicate with staff, pupils, and parents, and potentially the press. Uh, An effective plan uh, can help minimise the impact of cybersecurity incident and speed up the recovery of the process. And I think that that's key. I mean, what we're finding in businesses and schools, I mean, once you are attacked, it's all about getting up and running again as quickly as possible, because, I mean, it's... a lot of it comes down to reputation. And if you cannot deliver teaching for one, two, potentially more days, I mean, that, that has a big, big impact on the reputation of the school and uh, something that could be avoided by just thinking through what you will do when this does happen. Okay, gosh, yeah, I suppose there's so many more facets than simply just getting, you know, back up and running again. Um, and so when you look at cybersecurity in schools, a lot of the time it'll be the role of the IT managers or perhaps third party vendors what are the kind of top tips or rather how should schools manage their relationships with third-party vendors to ensure that they are getting the very best and highest quality for cybersecurity standards again i mean i I think this is really crucial and i mean there's another term that you may have heard of and it's like supply chain management and it's about protecting yourself about where where you're reliant on so with vendors uh, where, where you've outsourced to a third party for IT services such as the cloud storage or network security and software applications, you need to ensure that these vendors are properly vetted and managed uh, in a sort of is crucial in meeting the cybersecurity needs of the school and whatever policies you may have in place. Uh, you should conduct due diligence on them when selecting them and include cybersecurity requirements, contracts with the vendors. So that means, I mean, be really specific in what you want them to do. Because what what we sort of come across are third-party vendors which are maybe providing a firewall function for a school or a storage solution for a school, but nobody really reads the small print. And within that, it will be pretty vague. So unless you specify to them how you want something done, how frequently you want it done, uh, you'll probably end up with getting the the bronze level service as opposed to the, the gold which you're expecting. And I would say, finally, is I mean, regularly monitor uh, vendor performance and compliance uh, with your policies is really important. And that's that's where really an external is really useful for this. And I mean, like we do with our financial audits every year, it's probably worthwhile getting somebody to look at your, your cybersecurity audits just to make sure that vendors are are doing what they're saying they're doing. 
Mm. This this sort of leads very well into what role does the, the Board of Governors play in ensuring cybersecurity in schools and, and what actions should they take to fulfil within this role? Yeah, and I mean, th- this is becoming really sort of right up there now on all boards, uh, risk registers, and I mean, across all sectors. I think when in schools, and I mean, you'll find that cyber appears on the risk register, but it's probably no deeper than the word cyber and what it means and nobody really understands and i think it's crucial for the board to get this because they are accountable and responsible you mean for it so i would say that i mean the board of governors plays a critical role in ensuring that the school has adequate cybersecurity measures in place uh, they need to take ownership of the school's cybersecurity risks and make sure that the appropriate policies and procedures are implemented and again i mean additionally the board should regularly monitor the school's cybersecurity posture and that can be done in several ways. I mean, through a metric which is used every every full board meeting, and it's reported red, amber, green against it. And there's some really good frameworks out there which could be used uh, for that. And I would also say that board members should receive regular training on cybersecurity. I mean, as they do safeguarding every year, they they really need to get sort of up to speed on cybersecurity issues and. And I mean, I've used the, the example before, but the NCSC provide an excellent package. It's called the Toolkit for Boards. And I would suggest that bursars, clerk to governors, I mean, read that and have a look. And it, it can step you through exactly what needs to be done. And there's some really good training links that the, the governors can do in their own time. Because, I mean, that's one of the key challenges is getting them to do it. Whereas if you can uh, ha- have them do it in their own time, they're much better. I think, I mean, that, that links sort of slightly into training as a whole. I mean, and there is a shift uh, in the cyber sort of protection world uh, where going away from educating people once a year to like a drumbeat of education. So then it becomes part of the DNA rather than people wait for their yearly cyber tick, do the test and then forget about it again. So it is really crucial. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And then from, so, so it's leading again into the idea of training and the benefits of having an external company i mean what can a cybersecurity company bring over a traditional just it company uh, i think what i think what you're getting i mean the difference in the two is a i would in simple terms a cybersecurity company is are specialists and an it provider are generalists in what they do so if you were to sort of break that apart i mean you would say that you get a specialized approach uh, to what you're doing so you, these people have worked in the fields for many years, are agile, they know the current thinking, trends, etc. They're proactive in how they approach everything. And uh, they have the specialised tools and technology to be able to sort of do their role effectively. And this is something you see in the, in the larger IT vendors. They're not necessarily equipped uh, to do this. And I think with the with the uh, cybersecurity company, I mean, their primary goal is to prevent security incidents from occurring in the first place. So that's that's how they approach it. And uh, the other thing you get is really is the compliance and regulations. I mean, as I said, they are experts in their field. So they, they will highlight where there are vulnerabilities and where maybe you're not compliant or where something needs to be tightened up just to, to enhance uh, the, the current framework. And uh, I mean, I think that's that's really what you get from them but i would say that there's no one size fits all and it's probably you find that cyber security companies can can complement your it provider 
and it probably should do because what the cybersecurity company won't do is be able to provide you with network cabling and printers and devices, et cetera, et cetera. That's something very specific. Okay, sure. So then jumping into what services, I mean, specifically for, for you guys, obviously, Decipher Cyber, what services do you guys specifically offer for the independent sector? Well, I think, I think for, I mean, we've been operating in the small, medium business sectors for, for many years. And I mean, we've got a very big ecosystem of associate partners and their knowledge. But really, it's it's what how we can bring all that knowledge to the education sector is what sort of we've been driving for over the last uh, period. And I think if I was to summarize it, I mean, in three easy bits, I mean, we help you understand your cyber posture, which is key. I mean, that, that really needs to be the starting point. So. I mean, that is, what does it look like from the outside? Are you compliant? I mean, where are your risks? And then with understanding that is with you get a health check and that health check is really like a red, amber, green. Here are the things you must do now, must do in several weeks and is a sort of longer burn. And that allows you really to get a good understanding straight away of where it sits. Because I think that most bursars would probably say that I mean, their IT teams have got a good handle on things, but the IT teams are set up to deal with business as usual and firefight the running of the school on a daily basis. They're not security experts or cybersecurity experts, so they're not horizon scanning, looking for those threats, and that's, that's what we do. The second part of it is really develop your cyber protection posture. So once you understand it, then we can assist with development of policies, procedures, plans, and assist with really helping you move towards get a form of accreditation and why do you say that well it's becoming more important in the regulatory framework uh, that insurance companies are now looking for it's no good just to say you've got a cyber insurance policy it's i mean have you got the right policies and procedures in place and do you know what you're doing and the uk government has got the cyber essentials framework and that's that's something that we've worked with several schools on at the moment and it's proven to be quite successful in A, allowing the schools to fine-tune what they need to do, but B, being able to demonstrate to all those in their supply chain and their insurers that they take cyber seriously. And then I think the third part is maintaining the cyber posture. And that's where we can provide training for staff, for uh, the Board of Governors, I mean, on a regular basis, on a termly basis. And uh, we, we do that quite routinely. And then the other services which we've brought in are a, a virtual chief information security officer and really i mean it's, it's quite expensive to have one of these people and it's quite expensive to have a full-time equivalent even in, as another it manager in the school so if you compare a fraction of that for this service i mean that's that's gold dust really and that's what a lot of clients are finding just to be able to sort of tap into that resource once a term once a week whatever the frequency is is really useful and it just keeps you on top of your your cyber posture and then we do bespoke services, which are maybe threat analysis, insider threats, external attacks, what's happening there, and then training uh, in terms of tabletop exercises and running through your, your incident plan. So really, the full suite, really, of what we would offer to uh, small, medium businesses, we can offer to schools. Wow. Okay, fantastic. A, a very comprehensive system indeed. And I, I understand that you guys are launching a new service specifically for bursars on all things cyber. What are the details of this? And is it available now? Yeah, it is. I mean, and uh, it, it, this is this has come out of 
uh, pilot we've been doing with some bursars, uh, just looking at offerings for the, the independent sector. But one thing that really stood out at me was the common theme of there wasn't really a, a forum like in under sort of Chatham House rules where people were relaxed enough to talk about issues, concerns, and be able to sort of get, get assistance with that. So this is where we came up with the idea of a platform for bursars uh, to empower them and to be able to protect, adapt, and thrive in the digital era. And it's it's aptly called uh, Cyber, so Cyber for Bursars. And, I mean, in short, it's a interactive support network exclusively for bursars uh, in the private sector. And with it, you get access to the knowledge and network to protect your school effectively and navigate the ever-changing cyber landscape with confidence. And how do we, how do we do that? That's uh, you can stay informed. There's valuable insights or post-it sent out. We've got efficient learning, so everybody's busy, and it's hard to get time to go on courses and do things. So what we do is a sixty-minute uh, webinar series, which runs. Uh, there's six of them over the academic year, so two per term, and they're really on key themes and trends that we're seeing, but also issues that our people are having, and we can we can look at helping uh, mitigate them. You get to engage with the peers. There's a sort of 24-7 chat function on it where questions can be posed and asked. And more importantly, I mean, you get expert guidance. I mean, all you have access to all the SMEs in our business and outside of the business and the wider ecosystem. So you're always getting somebody right at the top of their game talking about those issues that we're facing. And I think important for me was the transparency and to ensure that it's it's affordable and accessible to everyone. So again, it's it's extremely affordable. It's £1,200 per annum for the, the membership for it, which, I mean, is a, a small percentage of an IT budget. But I think, the, I mean, the reward that comes from that is is exponential. And yes, it's available now. I mean, next cycle will start again in September. But if people are interested, please do get in touch and we're, we'll be able to sort of talk through the process and get people signed up for the, the next cycle. Yeah, fantastic. And then a, a slightly more general question is that what are some trends that you're seeing in the cybersecurity space and what might the future of cybersecurity look like? I think the, the biggest trend is cyber resilience. I mean, that's that's the term you're hearing quite a lot. And what everybody uh, is looking at developing is shoring up their cyber resilience. So what do I mean by that? And that's that's ensuring you have the ability and the capability to continue to operate despite cyber events disrupting your IT and your OT, which is the operational technology. Uh, and also throughout your supply chain, and we touched on earlier about you know, your, your reliance on vendors, etc. That's going to be key. And what we're seeing are, I mean, cyber attacks, ransomware attacks, phishing attacks are becoming more uh, sort of focused and they're, they're changing their profile. So they're, they're going after these these areas and people know they're going to be attacked. So it's now about how do you make sure that when it does happen, you're resilient enough to keep operating. I think. The other thing is regulations are increasingly going to drive the need for compliance as uh, as we measure of, I mean, are we safe to do business with? And people may have heard of ESG, so the Environmental, Social and Governance requirement for firms to report on. Well, that's going to start coming in and place even more uh, responsibility on schools to ensure that they are safe places because high net worth parents, 
I mean, are going to be signing up to these schools with their money, their details, pupils' details, and we need to ensure that we're able to protect that. Uh, and that's what we have been doing with, with quite a few schools at the moment. But I would stress that, I mean, compliance is a means to the end, but the end is really a resilient business, and that's what it's all about. That's where we're trying to get to. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I suppose it also plays into the role of of safeguarding and, and a number of other aspects of school life. Um, but rather than get into too much detail about that, I'm going to ask a final question, which is probably the one that the bursars really want to know, which is how much should a school budget for their cybersecurity? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a question we get asked quite frequently. And uh, it is like, how long is a piece of string? But actually, there is there is a bit of a thought has went into this. So I mean, I, I would say the average is probably around about 8% to 12% of your IT budget should be set aside for cybersecurity. Now, why the band? It depends on how mature you are. So some schools are very mature on their cybersecurity posture, and some schools are right at the very start of that journey. So, I mean, you'll need to invest more in the early years, and then it can sort of be tapered off as it comes, uh, as you become more mature in your approach. But I think that, I mean, Schools are not alone. Charities, well, and schools are charities, but I mean, small, medium businesses, large enterprises are all dealing with this on a daily basis. And it's one of the biggest questions is how much of our budget needs to be allocated. But businesses are now starting to have a a line in their in their budget now for cybersecurity, and it's not going away. It's something that's only going to increase. So, I would suggest it needs to be something that we we think about for going into the next academic year. Gosh, that's just another thing for bursars to to wrap their heads around. It's a big old job. Yeah, gosh. Right, Simon, I will I'll I'll draw an end to it there just to keep things short and sweet. Um but that's been hugely enlightening. Thank you ever so much for coming on to tell us all about this. And I'm gonna try and, and tap into your knowledge going forward for when we have a bit of cyber news. So I'm hopefully we'll be hearing from you a bit more regularly. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, more than happy to. And I mean, I think it's, I mean, what one final thing I would just say is if, if people do have any questions, it's just get in touch, ask a question. I mean, because we're, as I said, it's all about transparency. And if, if we can sort of help raise that awareness throughout the education sector, well, then we feel that we're, we're doing a job here. I mean, so please do get in touch. Simon, thank you very much indeed. And to get in touch, he's simon at decipherscyber.com. So fire him an email should you want some more information. Thanks, Leo. And there we have it. Thank you very much for listening in to this episode. I will put a link in the show notes for all of the suggestions and websites Simon mentioned, along with his contact details and details of Decipher Cyber. Please do keep an eye out for next week's Thursday bulletin episode and then Friday we'll be looking at sustainability and net zero. Till then, farewell. Farewell.